Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. So, start with a random question. Alice, what's the most beautiful place you've ever been? And I mean, like, visually stunning. Mm. The one that springs to mind initially is, so we used to go on family holidays to Greece when I was a little bit younger. And I think one year we went to, and I I think it was on the mainland, a place called Melina. So we went there and we just went to this beach one day and... We sort of, you know, it was kind of like a covey beach or whatever. And there were like these rocks and sort of like cliff facey sort of looking bits. So we were like, oh, let's go and have a little explore. It's because this used to be, this was back in the day when I was fearless and I would happily go swimming in the sea and I wouldn't be terrified of all the sharks and sea monsters that might grab me. (laughs) So we swam out to this sort of, it looked, it was basically a cave. So we swam out to this cave and then we were able to swim into this cave and the walls were just like, not glowing, but like this sort of beautiful shimmery purple and blue. And I just remember sitting in this cave and just being just like in awe of what I was seeing. And I just always remember that as being like one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. But also I went to Thailand, I think when I was about 19, and the jungle up there in northern Thailand was just amazing. I love a good jungle, like dense trees, crazy wildlife, love all that. But yeah, the cave cave in Greece really stands out in my mind. Why? What about you, Josh? Oh, but also should mention that I am from North Wales, which is the most beautiful place in the world. Yeah. So I was going to say North Wales, which is the most beautiful. No. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you would so, be right. North Wales, North Wales is very nice. It's very nice. Um, yeah. A couple of spring to mind for me. The, the first one is um, I went I've been, I went to the Alps. We're on a, on a Ooh, uh, in yeah. sort of northern Italy or north uh, west Italy, I think with with um with school. Lovely. That was obviously absolutely stunning. And I also went to about six or seven years ago. We went to Lake Como, um, which is obviously actually gigantic lake in 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 Italy. So both in Italy, but yeah, probably Lake Como for me. It's just it's I don't know. There's something about it, you know, and somewhere's just got got an ambiance of of calm and like. I don't know. It was just really, really beautiful place to go. But so yeah, for me, I'd say I'd say Lake Como. 
So we've had a listener suggestion from uh, Lisa Smith, and she sent us a suggestion for this film, which is So I Married an Axe Murderer. And she just sent a message in that said, So, hi, Josh and Alice. I'm a magazine editor and digital marketer from Exeter. I chose the film for a number of reasons. I have plenty of films that I love that are largely forgotten or are considered unremarkable or have aged badly. But I still think I love this, this one as much as I did in the late 90s when I saw it as a teenager. It's really quotable, it's got great set pieces, and there's a really surprising number of cameos. One of the main reasons I have a lot of love for it is that literally nobody in my real life except my husband has seen it or even heard of it. But if I mention I'm watching it on a social media group, I also get absolutely bombarded with comments and quotes from people who have as much affection for it as I do. Um, so yeah, I should have said actually before we start, but give you a little bit of background on the film. So basically Mike Myers plays Charlie, who is a poet living in San Francisco. Uh, he's recently gotten out of a relationship and he's sort of a, he's a self-confessed committophobe. He doesn't like commitment. So he often finds himself creating paranoid reasons uh, to not commit to, to different relationships. One day after getting out of another relationship, he meets Harriet and falls for a really hard um, and as things developed he sort of begins to suspect she might be this notorious serial killer who's in the papers who um is murdering men and moving on and such so um i'm interested to know alice had you seen this one before i hadn't seen it and i'm i'm sure i had heard of it but i wasn't completely sure um sort of of the genre i suppose like i didn't know if it was a serious film about murder and crime uh, <laughs> or if it was more of a more of the kind of you know, light-hearted, sort of funny route that it does go down. Um, but no, hadn't seen this one. Had you seen it? Were you familiar with it at all? So I'd heard of it, um, and I think I'd seen a bit of it on TV when I was a, when I was a teenager as well, but nothing that would give anything about the plot away. So no, I hadn't seen it, but I had heard of it. But I was, I, I, it's one of these films that I'd always meant to go back and watch because, like I said earlier, I mean, the title alone is intriguing. And I do remember watching the one scene on TV and thinking it was funny. So I was quite, one of the reasons I wanted to pick this um, when Lisa suggested it was because I'd always wanted to go back and watch it. Um, so, so yeah. And obviously I know you wanted to pick it because of, <laughs> because of the title. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm interested to know then what, what did you think? You know what? In general, I had a really great time watching this film. So I've got a real soft spot for Mike Myers. So Wayne's World is one of my favourite films, probably of all time, you know. And I, I went back and watched that recently just to check, you know, how that held up. And it was still so, so funny. And so I was just so happy, like, seeing him on screen. He's just great. He was doing so much with his face. He had some great reactionary moments, I thought. There were so many moments where when he was reacting to characters, he would just have... So it, it, just like such, just so kind of funny and like charming and sort of like hapless and just kind of a bit goofy. He just kind of personifies just like that real sort of 90s comedy, I felt. I think he did that really well. Um, but a lot of the performances I thought were great. Uh, we had the crazy bird pigeon lady from Home Alone. She was in it. Yeah. I can't remember her name, but she so, played uh, the mother. Brenda Fricker. She's Brenda, yeah. She, yeah, she's, yeah, she... Um, yeah, she's the crazy bird lady or Piers Morgan, depending on, um, on, what, yeah. on what you think. But yeah, she plays his mum, doesn't she? So it was great to see her because I don't think I'd seen her in anything. Uh, obviously, we had, uh, so Mike Myers, so so he does this thing where he likes to play multiple characters. And it was interesting to see that so early on. Obviously, we saw it in Austin Powers. 
Um, and I wonder where that comes from for him, where that desire comes from to play multiple characters and very often Scottish characters as well. Um, also, who did I think was really good? So Rose, who turns out to be the actual axe murderer. So Harriet's sister, I thought she was brilliant. I thought when she was introduced, she did a really good job at playing that sort of like subtly unhinged character. Like she wasn't like big in her craziness. It would just kind of be the look in her eyes or the kind of way that she spoke to Charlie. I just thought she absolutely nailed it. Um, so in general, yeah, I was really impressed and had a really fun time watching it. What about you? What were your sort of first impressions coming away? Yeah, similar to you, I, I had a really good time with it as well. I think I like the fact, and Lisa sort of alludes to this in, in, her, in her message, that it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's quite obvious that it knows that the title is daft and it's playing on that. So I very much enjoyed that. I thought it was it was pretty funny. It was it was easy to watch. Um, I mean, the concept itself is is quite is is quite, quite interesting, isn't it? It plays up to that idea of farce and that idea of mistaken identity. Yeah, same as you. Really enjoyed the script. Thought it was really funny. Quite enjoyed things like yeah, the performances as well. Um, yeah, I enjoyed Mike Myers' performance because it's it's probably it's quite strange. Like you say, he so he does play his own dad. He plays the lead and his own dad. And he's definitely been dining out on being able to do a Scottish accent for about 25 years now. I mean, well, no, but this is, not this is the longer best. No, But not the best Scottish accent. No, like, no, you can it, tell it's, it's Scottish, just, but it's not flawless at all. It's just a sort of, I mean, because I know his parents or his dad is Scottish, so he's obviously just doing a sort of impression of him. Because I believe, <laughs> yeah, because I always got the impression that it was um, he was sort of doing like a Billy Connolly. Okay, like when he yes, when he when like when that. he does Fat Bastard in Austin Powers, I always got the impression that he was doing Billy Connolly because it because of the way he speaks. It's almost like the way he would Billy Connolly tells stories in his stand up and stuff. So yeah, the fact that he plays his own dad, it's it's sort of weird because it kind of it's a bit out of place. But I don't know if it's out of place because I just didn't I wasn't expecting it. You know, that was very much a thing, wasn't it, in the nineties? Because you had you had this. Mike Myers doing it with with Austin Austin Powers, and then you had Eddie Murphy doing it with the Naughty Professor, and you know I can't, I can't think of other examples, but weirdly, him playing his own dad, I I started off being like, oh, that's a bit, I don't know, a bit odd, but then I his dad sort of became the highlight of the film from the way he sort of talks <laughs> to um to <laughs> Heed, who I think is Charlie's little, <laughs> I think is Charlie's little brother, I think so, yeah. How is he? How is he got like a ten-year-old brother? But he is, I suppose, only he's like in his late twenties in this. I think so. I don't know. Maybe it is his brother or or a cousin or a grandchild of theirs who's living with them or they're looking after. But yeah, I thought that was, I thought him playing his own dad was actually quite funny. But the other the, the strange thing about it is that other than the dad, when he's playing Charlie, it's the it's like the most understated I've ever seen Mike Myers. It's like the most mm. sort of everyman norm performance because everything else I've ever seen him in, he is doing a caricature. Even when he's in um, Bohemian Rhapsody, he's still doing a sort of, a, he plays the music manager, doesn't he, in Bohemian Rhapsody, and he puts on a kind of a, it's like a northerny, Leedsy sort of oh. Yorkshire accent I think he's doing. Interesting. Was he, 
Was he also in Inglorious Bastards? And that's the other one I was going to say is he's in, but even oh, in yeah. Inglorious Bastards, he's still doing. He's essentially. He just feels like he's doing Austin Powers because he's still yeah. doing a posh English guy. So yeah, this was the most understated sort of everyman type of performance I've ever seen from Mike Myers, and I thought it was quite interesting that he's not done more of that. Um, the you know why you sort of asking why does he play multiple characters? I don't know. Maybe it's because his background is in Saturday Night Live, so that's sketch comedy, and he feels he has to. Maybe he's just got a massive ego, and he wants to <laughs> to play more characters. I, you know, I don't know, but I had maybe, heard maybe that, he just just enjoy it. He just maybe. does it for the fun factor. I had heard one of the reasons he played Doctor Evil in Austin Powers was because um, Jim Carrey was cast and dropped out, and they couldn't, and he just went, oh, "I'll do it then." So, but I don't know. I, I don't know what went on behind the scenes, but overall, yeah, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the different types of comedy that were in it. You know, there was there was sort of you know general jokes. There was slapstick at the end. There was. I, I think my favorite element was the meta stuff with the police. So I really like the dad. Explain, yeah. So I so I really like the stuff with the police about how the captain is really sensitive and softly spoken. And the cop wants him to be like a TV cop where he's like constantly being like, give me your badge and your gun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you yeah, know, yeah. that sort of yeah, thing. Of so, so the way they took the tropes of police stuff in films and broke it down, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, overall, I mean, it's, it's just an easy, fun watch, wasn't it? It's, it's, it was, you know, an hour and a half of just good comedy, I guess. I really loved Alcatraz as a location. Yeah. Like I was thinking, so obviously we have to have the scene where Charlie's telling, is it, is it his friend or is it a brother? I think it's just a friend is it or a colleague or something. The, the Anyways, policeman. He's telling, oh, is it the policeman? As, yeah. in, as in so he's, his mate who is always with. His mate who is the policeman. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just his mate, I think. So he's telling him, you know, all about uh, all about Harriet and kind of all about what's going on and stuff. And so usually when you have these scenes in films, like in rom-coms or whatever, you go to a restaurant or a bar or maybe a ball game. Like you always have the location where the two friends have loads of dialogue so you get to know exactly what each of them are feeling. And he, they went to Alcatraz on a tour. I just thought that was so funny. I just It, it, it just really tickled me that that was the location choice. Um and just kind of lots of little things like that as well, I suppose. It drove me, like, using... So Harriet's a butcher and, like, a disgusting butcher as well. Like, they're in there throwing the meat at each other and it's just, like, so grotesque. And again, just kind of really flying in the face of those traditional rom-com tropes. But, yeah, really funny. Drove me insane that no one in the butcher shop was wearing a hairnet. <laughs> <laughs> Not a hairnet to be seen. I was like, how terribly unhygienic, as, as you know, as well as all throwing the meat all over each other and such. <laughs> but, yeah, interesting, like, location choices. But I guess... I guess it kind of really ties in with the whole theme of there being an axe murderer. Mm. And, it, you know, it, it's kind of all about the kind of more about death and about gore and about crime. But even in these scenarios, love can blossom. Yeah, and I suppose because they're in San Francisco, Alcatraz is one of the biggest draws, isn't it? I suppose people want to go and see Alcatraz. Because, like, when you live in a city, you don't... the 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 touristy stuff passes you by, doesn't it, sometimes? Like, if you live in London, you don't always go to Buckingham Palace. You might take people there who come and visit you in London. Or, you know, the same with with San Francisco and Alcatraz, except they live there and they just go they just go to Alcatraz. So it's funny you should say that. And and you and, and and that's a really good point about 
the butcher's stuff, the way that they play up to the rom-com tropes, except instead of it being, you know, a cutesy picnic on a on a in a park, it's them absolutely messing around with all this disgusting meat. I suppose that's the same as the police. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The police thing I, I was talking about, is, you know, they take the idea and the tropes of it and break it down and, and flip it on its head so that it's not what you expect. Mm. I loved how it was so like iconically San Francisco as well. Like you get those really steep roads and the trams and the bridge. Like they made sure to always put loads of that in. And I really enjoy seeing that. Um, there was really interesting. There were many, many moments where it felt like the characters were breaking the fourth wall, but they weren't. They were just looking or speaking to another character in the scene. But very often it would be that they were staring directly into the camera. And I thought that was, again, just really interesting and, and just kind of not something you see too often. Love Charlie as a jazz artist and his kind of like melodramatic, almost like slam poetry yeah. kind of performances and how he'd like end a, end a performance and he'd pick a candle up and blow it out and stuff. And he's always got a cigarette in his hand and stuff, just kind of like this really sort of tortured artist because you don't, like he doesn't have another job, right? I, don't, I feel like he, you don't find out about his occupation and that is or he thinks that that is his job, that he's like this struggling jazz musician yeah, you see, or yeah, jazz so singer. I think, I think, yeah, I think it is his job. I think he's meant to be a beat poet. Oh, so a that's, beat poet. So that's why okay, he does yeah, that yeah. talk, you know, that's why he does like the woman. 
like as he's talking <laughs> because that's the sort of the sort of thing that they did. But yeah, it does seem to be really his job. Funny. It does seem to yeah. be his job because he okay. doesn't. Okay, so he's getting paid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you never see him like working in a shop or a bar or an office or something. So I guess so. I don't really know how you'd make a living. I guess someone like John Cooper Clark, I suppose, makes a living off it. It's a bit like being a musician, right? You just travel around, but I'm not too sure. Yeah, but I I think that's interesting in the film that he is. It's never picked up on. He's just one of these film characters. He's just got a job that seems to be in, in, an impossible job. <laughs> you know, like how how does he earn money from that? Does he live, I can't remember, does he live with his parents? Does he live there or were they just visiting when they went to dinner? No, they just go to see him. Uh, they just go to see so his parents. So do we parents. see his house? I don't think so. I think that um, no. we only see him in bars and other and exterior locations. Harriet's house, a hotel. Harriet's house, yeah. And his, his parents' house. Maybe he's homeless. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, some of those are like I forgot about the woman, woman, and all that. That really made me laugh. All that. Um. So Harriet, I've noticed, often had a plaster on her finger. I don't know if this was because of some sort of off-screen accident that happened, or just as part of her kind of butcher's costume. But I thought that was interesting. I, um, just like little so details I was picking up on. She she cut her finger. The, so, the actor did. Yeah, so I was reading about it and ah. when she was when she was um doing one of the butcher shop scenes, she she cut like the tip of her finger off. Oh crikey. And so oh, and, well, this is what IMDB says. It might not be true. <laughs> but what IMDB says is she cut a bit of a the top of her finger off while she was she was doing some of the butcher scenes and so spent a lot of the shoot with like a with like a a, a like you say a plaster around her finger. Ah. Well, I mean authentic to the character. Okay, so we'll move on to talk about sort of things we we didn't like then. Um, I mean, what was there anything? Was there anything you didn't you massively didn't like? I mean, not really. Nothing that I didn't like. Um, like it didn't, like the film didn't blow me away, and it, you know, I didn't think it was like a masterpiece or anything. But I definitely enjoyed. I just enjoyed watching it. I just enjoy seeing Mike Myers. It was just fun to see him so young. The only thing I was thinking was with the Scottish accent thing. Is that offensive? Um, I suppose you'd have to ask a Scottish person. It's tricky, isn't it? So as a Welsh person, I find it, most of the time, I find it very funny when people make Welsh jokes or when people do bad Welsh accents or when people call me a sheep shagger. Maybe not as much as <laughs> that one. Usually like the jokes to have a bit more finesse. But I don't mind it at all. And I do wonder if, because because it's like, because the because obviously Mike Myers is Canadian, but like with British parents, if because the Canadians and the Americans have never subjugated the Scottish, <laughs> maybe it is funny and it doesn't feel so offensive. Whereas when English people do it, it can feel a bit more offensive, obviously because of the history there. Because I wonder about that as well as 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 a fellow Celt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to change you and my phone from Sheep Shagger back to your name. But um... Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'd appreciate that, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I don't know. It's a tough one. That I'm, I, Obviously, I'm not Scottish, right? So I guess because it's not... So, for example, when he does Fat Bastard in Austin Powers, mm. granted, it is the same accent, but he is almost a big Scottish stereotype. Like, he's always wearing a kilt and he's always, like, doing... I don't know. I don't know. It seems this one seems a bit more subtle, and <laughs> subtle might be the wrong word. He's not taking a piss at the Scottish people. His dad is. His parents are just Scottish. Mm -hmm. 
Um, he just, I feel like he just loves doing the accent. Yeah, like he, he just, just loves, loves doing it. a Scottish accent, doesn't he? <laughs> I mean, he's done it. It's literally like, <laughs> you know, his most famous character, uh, probably outside of Austin Powers, is Shrek, right? So mm. that's that's Scottish. This guy's Scottish. That bastard's Scottish. I I wouldn't have thought it was offensive because it's it's sort of cartoonish, isn't it? But mm-hmm. I'm not Scottish. So if you are Scottish <laughs> and you listen to this and Mike Myers doing a Scottish accent offends you, then I'd like to know because I, I don't know. Because he does it so often yeah. as well. So I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering how like Scottish people do feel about that. Yeah, get in touch if you're Scottish. Does Mike Myers, are you, <laughs> do you give a shit about someone in a 90s <laughs> film doing a Scottish accent? Uh, was there anything else you didn't like? I do, you know what? I really don't think so. Like it was just, it was just kind of like fun viewing. It yeah. was, it was, it was a rom com done differently. Um, I didn't, uh, and considering it was from the nineties, like I feel like the women, like they weren't particularly like damsels in distress or anything. I don't feel like they were really kind of treated badly or like looked down upon at all. And it's just interesting, you know, that he is this committophobe, and it turns out he kind of very much should be because <laughs> his, his you know, love is potentially an axe murderer. And then it turns out that her sister, in fact, is an axe murderer. So it's like all his fears, like he was right to feel them. He was like, this is why I didn't get in a relationship. So yeah, no, it was just really interesting just and, and definitely some some funny moments. Did you have anything anything else that you uh, maybe didn't like? Not, uh, not massively. I thought they really overused um, There She Goes. Oh my they god! Played yes, it. So they often. played it about so twenty often. times, and yeah, it was weird. So that was yeah, that was a bit like <laughs> like my I, my I was watching it on my own, um, and uh, my other half was sort of in and out doing stuff, and I just opened the room. Bloody hell, they're really using that song, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I so, wonder why that was. Yeah, if they just kind of pay for the you pay for the you pay for the for the for the rights. So you're going to use it, aren't you? Um, yeah, yeah. Also, uh, I mean, the Scottish accent thing, he, he did very much, he, had, he does very much dine out on that a lot, like I've already said, but I suppose this is probably the first ex- first example of him doing it in a film. So one thing I will say is people in films and TV who get married before they live together are <laughs> absolutely in either really, really stupid or really, really brave because, yeah. because I'd never, ever... I would never marry someone who I'd not lived with. Imagine finding out they left skids or something, or <gasps> or that they I uh, didn't put the cap back on the toothpaste or something. That's meant. It's just mad that. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's let's. Uh, reminds me of another film called Speed Two Cruise Control, where a similar thing happens. Oh, yeah. They've only been going out <laughs> oh, for seven yeah. months, and it's like, oh, there's no passion in our relationship. Why don't we get married? So no. I married. So I married another. Uh, Dangerous police officer. That should have that, that should have been called. Um, yeah. <laughs> other, other than that, um, the only thing I would say is that at the end, with the twist of it being her sister, I thought it was a little bit unclear as to what Harriet actually knew. So it seemed to be that what her sister was doing was obsessively wanting her sister to be hers and hers alone. So she was killing these men who were her husbands. But before she was killing, sorry, beforehand, she was writing a note to her sister from the men saying that they'd left her. And then, so mm. she would think they'd left and then she'd kill them. But I don't, it wasn't clear whether she knew that what her sister was doing or that 
Do you know what I mean? I just thought that it could have been a bit more clear around that, but it's probably something or nothing really because at the end of the day that the quality in the film is in the fact that it is quite funny and it is quite doesn't take itself seriously really. So um nothing also, massive. If you were like if your husband just left and he was by all accounts still alive, you wouldn't like you wouldn't just be able to remarry, would you? Because you would still technically be married. So but you do find out that he dies in the newspapers and stuff. So does she know, does Harriet know that they've died? That's what I mean. By... So like, ah, it's yeah. unclear. Does she know that she seemingly has had three separate husbands leave her with notes that all say presumably similar things? And like you say, I mean, look, I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for realism in, in, in a film called So I Married an Axe Murderer, but... Mm-hmm. I thought they could have made her a bit more sympathetic because it was quite unclear whether she actually knew what was going on. And if she did know what was going on, when she found out her sister had been killing these these men, she didn't seem that bothered. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, like, I don't, Oh, yeah. well, she's my sister. Yeah. Another dead <laughs> husband. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Yeah, it was a little bit like that. Yeah, no, you're right. I, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, because of the letters. So she obviously thought they were running away, but then there was all the headlines and all the in all the newspapers and stuff. Like it would say that this man has died, and I guess they knew that the like had they identified the men, had they identified the men who'd been murdered, and then surely they'd come asking the the ex wives the wife, yeah, or right. the widows. <laughs> so let's take a look at the critical reception then. So. I, I get the impression from Lisa's message she picked this because she thinks it's underseen. Um, but let's let's see if we think it's underrated as well. So, um, I mean, how, how do you think it did critically this? It's a tough one to call. It is, isn't it? It is. Because th- there was nothing, like there was nothing bad about it sort of technically. And the script wasn't bad. And the premise uh, wasn't bad either. And I think as a sort of, as a kind of left field rom-com sort of satire, I thought it did its job well. So I would probably give it a middle seven, like maybe around the 7.5 mark. But I don't reckon, I've just got a feeling that critics don't like Mike Myers. So I feel like they probably would have gone in the six range, maybe a high six maximum. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you say that about Mike Myers. See, my, my sort of opinion, my sort of take on that, sort of thing is, is that a lot of critics don't I don't know it's like it's like they don't take that well to main what you might think of as mainstream comedy mm. like I've I think I've talked about it before and I'm not going to labor the point but a lot of what is considered to be the great comedies I never find a lot of them really really funny like I don't think I, I like some Wes Anderson films but in terms of them being categorized as comedies I don't find them that funny whereas this I would say is like an out and out sort of mainstream comedy, but it's interesting you say so. So yeah, so IMDb at the time of recording gives it six point four out of ten, Ooh. and similarly on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the audience give it sixty eight percent. So that's your sort of audience score, and then the critics on Rotten Tomatoes give it fifty one percent. Ouch! Yeah, so Ooh. so for me, if we're going off what the critics are saying. That's harsh. I think that's low. That's too low for me. 
I would definitely I would definitely say that that is underrated. I know I'm trying to I'm trying to separate like Mike Myers from the content because I know that I already know that I like Mike Myers a lot and that I like seeing him on screen. So that that might be clouding my judgment a little bit, but I think that is really harsh because there was nothing there was nothing wrong with the film. If you know what yeah. I mean, did you see what any of the what any of the critics said? What they were moaning no, about the, this time? It's the same thing we, we we say. It's like they can't actually think. They just the obvious. They just go. It's not funny, so I don't don't like it. I mean, so one of them here, one of them here just says a mediocre film with a good one trapped inside it. I mean that. Huh? that what? That's what I mean. That doesn't say anything. So I mean, I know, oh I know God. that these aren't the reviews, and I know these aren't the review reviews as a whole. And it's a you know it's a nearly thirty year old film. Another yeah. one here says mostly, mostly you spy the red flags that shout trouble production, and we don't know what to do with the script. Now, when I was reading around the film, there was a lot of stuff about it being a trouble production, and and things like allegedly Mike Myers being difficult to work with, which is something that has, which is something that has been surrounding him for a lot of his career but oh really yeah. oh i didn't know so, that so, so i mean oh, i'm not Mike. i'm not gonna i that's just an allegedly thing i don't mm-hmm. know but yeah i've not met the guy yeah, <laughs> the film being a troubled production doesn't mean that it's that you can then say in the critic in the critical reception that it is troubled apocalypse now was a troubled production Apparently, Stanley Kubrick was an absolute nightmare to work with. But, oh, but he yeah. is the benchmark for quite a lot of modern cinema. You know, The Shining. You know, if you look at his treatment of certain actors and performers in that film, you can you could tr- describe that as a troubled production. So I don't think it's fair think to say well, to say that. Looking, looking at someone like Quentin Tarantino as well, we know is has got some you know troubling stories hanging over his head, but people regard him as you know just an unbelievably talented filmmaker. Exactly. So look, looking at it, it's just, I, I can't find anything that isn't generic that they're actually actually saying. I mean, there's good stuff. That some critics have said good stuff about it being, you know, sort of en- enjoyably disposable. A little bit like what well, we've said, it's just like a loose and funny, easy ride sort of film. But no, so so for me, I, I would personally say it is underrated and I would personally say it's underseen as well. Yeah, yeah, I would say it's underseen. I ain't seen it. I don't think my husband had seen it. It's just not one that comes up in conversation too often either. So there we go. Uh, another one for underseen and another one for underrated. Um, uh, thanks very much to Lisa for getting in touch. If you want to check out what Lisa's up to, she is at Mandalay Digital on Instagram, which is M-A-N-D-E-R-L-E-Y and then digital spelt the, the usual way. Check her out. I think there's uh, plenty of good stuff on there. I've had a look myself. So yeah, thanks for suggesting that. And um, well, I think it's safe to say she's right, isn't she? That it is underseen and, and underrated. Um, Alice, what are we watching next week? It's your turn to pick. Oh, right, Josh. So you know at the beginning of the show how we say this is a podcast dedicated to films that are underseen or underrated. Mm. But we also say, or films that we really just wanted to talk about. And for next week, I'm going to pick a film that I just really, really want to talk about. And that is Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stopping. Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stopping. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And we'll say no more about it. So Indeed. yeah, join us next week for Popstar Never Stop Stopping and um, get it watched in the meantime if you want to know what we're talking about. Um, 
if you'd like to get in touch with us, then please do. If you want to suggest a film like Lisa did, um, it's films of that pod at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at films underscore that and Facebook and Instagram films and that pod. Uh, Alice, thank you very much for joining me as ever. Pleasure as always, Josh. And thank you. Uh, see you next week. Cheerio. Bye. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.